Thanks for joining us on the Southside Church Podcast. We seek to build real followers of Jesus, so we hope that you find this message both encouraging and insightful. Let's jump in. Hey, everybody. Welcome today to Southside Church. My name's Jeff Williams. I'm the lead pastor here, and I'm thankful that you would make this a priority today, to hang out with us, hopefully uh, open up your Bible, grow in your faith, trust God a little more in your life, and see His blessings lived out to the fullest inside of you. We're wrapping up a series today that we're calling The Blessed Life, and it's found in Matthew chapter 5, and it's the introduction to Jesus's first publicly recorded sermon, the Sermon on the Mount. And we're looking at the first nine, ten statements that Jesus makes here. They're called the Beatitudes, and it's an introduction to the entire message that Jesus spoke, a framework, you might say, for how he builds out and speaks the rest of the way. And so here is something that we've said every week. I've said it every week. I believe it, and I believe we see it especially in where we are today, that God's way of living always contradicts the world's way of living. As a follower of Jesus Christ, you and I have three enemies. We have the devil, who is very real, very powerful, and uh, and very deceptive. He doesn't masquerade. He doesn't parade himself around like a, a little red being with ears and a pitchfork and a pointed tail. The Bible describes him as an angel of light who masquerades himself to deceive others because he's a liar. Jesus says he's the father of lies. We see that in Genesis three with Adam and Eve. We also have an enemy inside of us. It's the sinful nature that that just wars in our flesh because it wants to do things that are contrary to God. And then finally, the third enemy is the world. And it's not the physical, tangible world that we can touch and see. Rather, it's a belief system that is satanic at its core, and it is opposed to anything godly. And so what we see in those three enemies is is a goal to pull you away from anything godly. And so God's way of living always contradicts the world's way of living. In Matthew chapter 5, this is what we see. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and after he sat down, his disciples came to him, and he began to teach them, saying these things. He said, the poor in spirit are blessed, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. He's talking about here, when we look at at these things, we kind of see the root of, of the Christian life. We see kind of the underpinning of the Christian life. That's the first three statements that we see. The poor in spirit, those who realize that they can bring nothing of worth to God. They are morally, spiritually bankrupt apart from him. In other words, we need Jesus. We need salvation. We need to go to the cross. And Jesus said, the poor in spirit are blessed for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. That leads to those who mourn. They are blessed, for they will be comforted. When you're poor in spirit and you're morally bankrupt, you realize that, you get a a, a picture of your sin and how it separates us from God, and it leads us to mourning. It leads us to repentance. It leads us to a place where we experience the comforting of God. Then he says, the gentle are blessed, for they will inherit the earth. Gentleness does not equal weakness in the Bible. Here, gentleness means power that is harnessed and kept under control, disciplined living. 
And these three things form a root system in your life as a follower of Jesus Christ. That's what this is. And so when you're poor in spirit, you're morally bankrupt, you realize you need Jesus, you mourn over your sin, repent and turn from that, and you ask God to discipline your life, bring it under his control, submit your life to the will of God, whatever the cost. What does that do? Well, it leads to this. It leads to a, a, a real, real life every day, hunger and thirst for righteousness. Righteousness can be defined this way. To, it, is, to, it is to be made right with God and to do right according to God. And so when I have a good root system, it produces fruit in my life. It produces plants and vegetation and fruit that feed me. And so I hunger and I thirst for right living. And then I am truly filled. I am truly satisfied with my life. And so those things lead to the outward appearance of these other things in our life. The merciful are blessed, for they will be shown mercy. He says the pure in heart are blessed, for they will see God. And finally, the peacemakers are blessed, for they will be called sons of God. So what we see from this is a, a good, strong root system leads to fruit in our life, and then that gives us a pathway for godly living. So poor in spirit, mourning, gentleness, that leads to hunger and thirsting for doing right and living right, which then gives us a pathway for living life, being merciful, being pure in heart, being a peacemaker. Man, those are all great things. There you go. You want to know what it looks like to live the godly life? There it is. It'd be great if we could stop right there, okay? Because some people would like to say after that, what does that produce in my life? What do I get as a result of those things? If I get the right root system in my life, which develops the right hunger and thirst for fruit and godliness in my life, that gives me a pathway for living life, what comes next. It's good stuff. This is what he says. Those who are persecuted for righteousness are blessed, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. So what is he saying? He's saying if you do all of these things and live it out, you will be persecuted by the world. Awesome. God bless you. Hope you have a wonderful week. May you be persecuted greatly for the cause of Christ. No, I'm just kidding. You know, but that's... that's that's what he says. He says, you will be persecuted by the world and you will be blessed by God. Today, today, I, 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 there are things that hurt us in life. Stubbing our toe, hitting our finger, hitting our hand with a hair. You know, I mean, there's all kinds of things we can get hurt doing. If you're as clumsy as I am, you can get hurt all the time. I get hurt in all kinds of ways. I go, ow, that hurts. Oh, screaming out. Oh, thank you, Jesus, whatever it is. Or maybe you say something different. But nevertheless, we, we, we go through things that hurt in life. And pain, what inflicted over and over and over again, causes us to respond a lot of times negatively. And what Jesus is talking about here is being persecuted by the world, by a belief system that is opposed to anything godly. And most of the time, it's lived out through other individuals. And we, hit, we get hit with that or from various other things, but you'll be persecuted by the world and you will be blessed by God. 
And so today we're going to see the joy of persecution. The joy of persecution. I mean, even saying that, none of it makes sense to me. It doesn't, I mean, we, we could say here that joy, uh, uh, that, that persecution can equal joy, all right? Joy equals persecution. I know it doesn't feel right. It doesn't sound right to say that. How can you and I find joy in persecution? Because that's what Jesus said. He said that those who are persecuted for righteousness are blessed. For the kingdom of heaven is theirs. We could just pause and go read in the book of Revelation about those who have been martyred and persecuted for their faith and the special place that they get, the special role that they get, the special designation they get in heaven as a, as a, as a martyr for, for the Lord. And so if we're going to talk about the joy of persecution, let's look, number one, at the root of it. The roots of persecution. Because Jesus said in Matthew 5.10, those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake are blessed, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. What is he talking about? He's talking about why is it, when somebody says, why is this happening to me? You ever undergone something, ever had something happen in your life, and you sit back and you go, why? Why me? Why is this happening to me? The Bible is full of examples of people from Genesis 4 all the way to the end of the book of people who, have, who were persecuted for their faith. Joseph, Moses, Elijah, Nehemiah, Jeremiah, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, John the Baptist, Stephen, Paul, every one of the apostles, the disciples. To understand the suffering of following Christ is, 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 is completely uh, is something that we've got to entertain and see. Because that's what Jesus said it's going to take. He said, you're going to be persecuted if you follow me. Jesus told his disciples, if they persecute me, they will persecute you. His disciples looked at him and wanted to sit at a place in his kingdom, a place of honor, a high esteem. And Jesus said to them, he said, are you able to do what I'm about to do? Are you able to follow in my footsteps? He looked at them one day and said, if anyone wants to be my disciple, he's got to deny himself, take up his cross, which was the greatest form of torture in their day, daily, and then come and follow me. All throughout Scripture, we see stories of people that were persecuted for their faith. In 1 Peter chapter 5, Peter is saying here, be serious. Another version says, be sober, be alert, be aware, be, be, be vigilant. Because your adversary, your enemy, the devil, is prowling around like a roaring lion looking for anyone he can devour. And Peter gives us the answer of what to do. He doesn't say run away from him. He says resist him. Stand firm in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are being experienced by your fellow believers throughout the world. In other words, you're not alone. You're not going through this by yourself. You're, uh, you, other people all around you are experiencing the same thing. He says this, Now the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ Jesus. The God of all grace who called you to heaven. 
by Christ Jesus, will personally restore, establish, strengthen, and support you after you have suffered for a little while. When we see that passage, we see that persecution is a regular, reoccurring part of a believer's life. When we talk about the root of persecution, it is in it's it's it is what is it? It's hostility in the human heart toward God. The devil hates it, absolutely hates it when you and I begin to grow in our faith. See, people that aren't growing in their faith, they're complacent, they're, they're lazy, they're, they're ungrowing, there's they're, they're just no fruit at all in their life. The devil doesn't bother them. He doesn't come after them. He's going to go after people that are seeking God with their whole heart, that have established a godly root system, poor in spirit, mourning over their sin, asking God, submitting themselves to the will of God, hungering and thirst for righteousness, longing to be merciful and pure in heart and, and a peacemaker. What is that going to lead to? It's going to lead to persecution. Why? Because the devil wants to stop you. Paul said in 2 Timothy chapter 3, he said, but you have followed my teaching, young Timothy, my conduct, my purpose, my faith, my patience, my love, and my endurance. He said, along with the persecutions and sufferings that came to me in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra, what persecutions I endured, yet the Lord rescued me from them all. This is to a letter to a young man, who's a young pastor that's ready to quit, that's ready to give up. Paul's already told him that God didn't give you a spirit of fear. He gave you a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. So come join with me in suffering for the gospel's sake. Because I know whom I have believed, and I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely confident and sure that he is able to keep and guard that, that he has trusted unto me until that day. And so Paul says, in fact, all those who want to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Ouch, that hurts. I don't want to hear these things. I want to live an easy life. I want to be easy like Sunday morning. I want to be comfortable. I want to be rich and wealthy and all of these. I get it. I get it. I want to be skinny. I want to have six-pack abs. I want to have all of these things. But that's not the life that Jesus calls us to live. The life that he calls us to live is a life of sacrifice. It's a life of commitment. It's a life of surrender. But it's also a life of great joy and great peace and great purpose and great victory. See, today, don't take opposition, pressure, frustration, disappointment, or fear as an indication of something that you're doing wrong. Because that's what we do. A lot of times we'll take these things and we'll say, these are indicators of things that we're doing wrong. God is disappointed with us. They could be an indication that you're not doing something wrong, you're doing something right. The root of persecution, the root of persecution is there so that it turns you away from God rather than closer to Him. Number two, the result of persecution. You've got the root of persecution, which if you're going to follow the Lord Jesus Christ, you're going to be persecuted. The result of persecution. So if the root of persecution is my faith and my walk with Jesus, what's the result of that? Jesus said, you are blessed when they insult and persecute you and falsely say every kind of evil against you because of me. 
You're blessed. Hashtag blessed. When these things are going on, hashtag blessed. The result of persecution is the blessing of God. Paul said this. He said, my goal is to know him and the power of his resurrection. Yes. I want to know the power that got him up from the dead, that raised him up from the grave, that brought him out of that tomb. I want to know that kind of power. Who wouldn't? But he's got an and tied to this. And I want to know the fellowship of his sufferings. Ooh. Did Jesus suffer? Yes. You ought to go read Isaiah 53 and see the prophecy about the suffering Savior. Did he suffer? Go read the end of all four of the Gospels. Did Jesus suffer? Absolutely. Paul said, I don't want to just know the power of his resurrection. I want to fellowship in him with his suffering. I want to be conformed to his death. Assuming that I will somehow reach the resurrection from among the dead. I'm here, I'm assuming here, this is an assumption that I'm going to get, I'm going to, get to experience eternal life in heaven. Not that I've already reached that goal. Okay, that's the way some people are. We'll accept Christ and we'll go, okay, I'm good. I can go back to doing whatever I want to do. I don't really know that that's Christianity. I can't determine that for you. That's, a God, that's, that's only something that God can do. But I know this, that God comes into us so that he can transform us into his likeness and image to become more like him. And Jesus told us, he said, look, this is what it's going to be if you're going to be my disciple. Deny yourself, pick up your cross daily, and then come and follow me. Paul said, I haven't already reached this goal. I'm not already fully mature, but I make every effort to take hold of it because I also have been taken hold of by Christ Jesus. He said, brothers, I don't consider myself to have taken hold of it, but this one thing I do, here's the one thing that I do. If I don't do anything else, I'm going to do this thing. Forgetting what is behind and reaching toward what is ahead. This is what Paul said. I pursue as my goal the prize promised by God's heavenly call in Christ Jesus. I'm going to forget about that so I can press toward to this. And I'm going to hold on to this rather than trying to grab hold and hang on to this. And so Paul saying this, he says, great blessing and great reward are often found in the places of great difficulty. Great blessing and great reward are often found in the places of great difficulty. But it hurts. But it's painful. It doesn't feel good. The root of persecution is to pull you away from God. The result of persecution, however, is to bring you closer to God. So you can see his blessing on your life. His joy, his peace, his patience, his kindness, his goodness, his faithfulness, his gentleness, his self-control. So we've got the root of persecution. We've got the result of persecution. What's my response to persecution? What's my response to persecution? How am I to respond? This is what Jesus said. Be glad and rejoice. About persecution? Yes. Yes. It is awesome. Whoa. It's really not. But you feel, I mean, he said, be glad and rejoice. Because your reward is great in heaven. 
For that is how they persecuted the prophets who were before you. He said, your reward is great in heaven. Go read the last three or four chapters in Revelation and see what happens to those who have been persecuted for the cause of Christ. Paul wrote in Romans 5, he said, Therefore, since we have been declared righteous, made right by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. He said, We have also obtained access through him by faith into this grace in which we now stand. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. It saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. And now we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. We rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we also rejoice in our affliction because we know that affliction produces endurance. Affliction produces endurance. Affliction produces endurance. Count it all joy, James said, when you face trials of various kinds. Know that the testing of your your faith produces patience, perfect patience, And that patience has got to have its perfect work in you so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking in anything. So that affliction produces patience and endurance. Endurance produces proven character, and proven character produces hope. And look at what he says. And this hope will never disappoint you because God's love has been poured out in the hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. See, the message, the message, don't get too comfortable here because this world is not your permanent home. There's two stories in the gospel or the book of Acts. Acts chapter 5 and Acts chapter 16. This is after Jesus has ascended to heaven. This is when the Holy Spirit has come. And these disciples are now out in the world living out the message of Jesus. And in Acts chapter 5, they're brought in before the religious leaders. And they're told not to speak or preach in the name of Jesus ever again. (laughs) They're like... Uh, we're going to go back and do it again. You're not going to stop us. Peter's like, we can't help but speak the things which we have seen and heard. And so the leaders of that day had them flogged, had them stripped, beaten, tortured for the name of Christ. And in Acts 5.41, it said they left that building rejoicing that they had been persecuted for the name of Jesus. In Acts 16, here's Paul and another fellow minister named Silas. In the city of Philippi, they've been arrested for their faith. They've been put in stocks and chains after they've been beaten profusely. And it's in the middle of the night, and they're sitting in these jail cells. They're chained to the wall, being beaten and and tortured. And they're sitting there singing. They're singing over their pain. They're singing over their position. They're singing over where they are at this point. And through their singing, all of a sudden the ground began to shake. The walls began to shake. And the prison doors fell off. Not just of their cell, but of everybody around them. The Philippian jailer got up. He was going to kill himself because he thought he was dead anyway. Paul and Silas, their chains are now free. They said, stop, we're all still here. That man gives his life to Jesus that night, takes them home, feeds them, bandages up their wounds. Their entire, his entire household comes to faith in Christ. They're all baptized. 
It's powerful pictures of persecution that leads to praise. It's all found right here on the pages of this book. I'll say this, if you've never experienced any kind of persecution for being a Christian, you might want to check which team you're on. Because the enemy's not going to come after somebody that's not playing the game, that's not out on the field, that's not trying to make a difference, that's not surrendering themselves to Christ daily. And so today, I'll tell you this, you weren't made to fit in. As a follower of Jesus Christ, you were made to stand out. The story of the Beatitudes, the introduction to the greatest sermon ever spoken. (laughs) It's kind of this ever-revolving cycle. When you get the right roots, you produce the right fruit. And that gets you on the pathway to living the godly life. It leads you to persecution, which persecution can have a a detrimental effect to your life. And it, 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 it hurts and it's painful. But you know what that leads me to do? It leads me back to realizing that apart from Christ, I'm nothing. And I mourn over my sin. And I ask God to bring my life under his control. And that produces a greater hunger and thirst for righteousness, which helps me to be more merciful and more pure and more peaceful. And guess what? I experience more persecution, which then leads me back to this place, and it just keeps going. If you've gotten off the wheel somewhere, get back on. Realize that without God, there's nothing. Realize that your sin pulls you away from Him. Repent. Submit and surrender your life under His control so that you hunger and thirst for His ways to be more merciful, more pure, more gracious, more loving, more peaceful. So yes, you'll experience more persecution which will drive you back to the arms of the Savior. Why do we do that? Because you weren't made to fit in. You were made to stand out. And so go be that person today. If you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ today, call out to Him. Ask Him to be your Savior, to forgive you of your sin. Call Him Lord and Savior. I want you in my life, Jesus. I need you in my life. I'm confessing my sin to you and I want all of you inside of me. Find a church. If it's not this church, find a church. Get involved in the local church. Dive in. Tell the pastor, I gave my life to Jesus. What's next? Begin to take your faith to another level. Because every time you go to a new level, you get a new devil. But you also get a greater revelation of the power of the Lord Jesus Christ and the fellowship of sharing in his suffering. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he bless you with peace this day and every day in the name of Jesus. Have a great day. If you made that decision today to say, yes, I do want to choose Jesus. I do want to acknowledge him as my personal Lord and Savior. Congratulations. We could not be more excited for you. And we want to help you in that process and answer any questions that you might have and provide you resources. To do that, simply text Jesus, that's J-E-S-U-S, to 706-449-0870. And one of our pastors on staff will be in touch with you because we want to help you as you walk out your faith. If you thought, you know what, I would like to contribute to all that God is doing in and through Southside. I would like to partner with them. You can do that in three simple ways. First, you can text GIVE, G-I-V-E, to 706-449-0870. Secondly, you can do it on the Southside app in the Give tab. Lastly, Southside.online. You can do it through the Give section on our website. Thank you so much for being here with us today, and we hope you have a great rest of your week.